thank you. And so I was really, um, man, I just have a lot in my heart, uh, a lot going on in my heart today. Um, but I was really thinking about what to what to speak. The Lord just kind of laid this on my heart. And so, listen, you're going to get a very authentic and a very raw uh, word today that's just going to come from my heart. Are you okay with that? I'll be real if you'll be real. How about that? And, uh, and so I, I just felt compelled to, to just speak on this simple thing. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. And uh, the Holy Spirit just brought me to this. And it's, there's a flow in this service. Tristan really didn't know what I was going to be speaking about. She spoke right into the flow of what the word of God said and and what God did here in the altars. It, it, you know, it's just it's just that the Holy Spirit's good. Amen. He's better than us. And so he he knows what he's doing. And so uh, I just want to encourage you with that. So Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, uh, verses one through six, I heard a pastor say, you know, that you're a Pentecostal preacher when you preach out of the Old Testament. I don't know what that meant, but I heard a guy say that, and I thought, well, you know, I like the Old Testament. I like the New Testament, and they're all good. Amen? How many know that it is all the Word of God? And let me tell you, how many know that it all points to Jesus Christ? Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ, and and uh, we will see that. And so I, I want to just, just speak this to you, Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6 is what I'm going to be reading today, and uh, uh, let's do this today. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, all right? Now, some of you all, some of you are old school. You were already ready, right? Some of you, some of you are like, man, pastor, why are you making us stand up? We're going to just reverence the Word of the Lord. I want to make sure you're awake, number one, all right? Come on. I need you to talk back to me so I know you're there. I'll preach longer if you don't amen me. Come on, there you go. Hey, man, it'll go a lot faster, all right? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 through 6, it says this. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Look at this. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you what? Hear my what? When God gives a command, it's our job to be obedient. And let me just say this. If you're in a season, come on, if you're in a season where you're not hearing from God, Clearly, listen, you, you, get, you need to go back and say, hey, Lord, where have I not been obedient to you? Let, first, let's check inventory here. God, where, what am I supposed to be doing? So Jer, he was very specific with Jer. Go down to where? To the potter's house. And when, once you get there, listen, I'm going to give you some insight. I'm going to give you some, uh, some word. Amen? So it says this. So I, so I went down to the potter's house. Notice he didn't hesitate. He didn't fight. He just went and did it. How many know that God's looking? for are people who will just go and do it amen and there was there he was working at his will and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel everyone say another vessel and it seemed good to the potter to do Verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me. All right, so he's obedient. And then the Lord says to him, he says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done? Boy, this is potent. Boy, I'm getting fired up, right? I'm just reading it, and I'm getting fired up. Declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Israel. Can I tell you something? You are clay in the potter's 
hand. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I pray, Lord, that you hide me behind Calvary today. Lord, that you would just speak through me. God, as you see fit today, God, I am your vessel. God, I am, I am nothing. God, I am nothing but clay today. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak through me, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to just call men and women, God, to repentance, would begin to call men and women uh, back to you, God, today. God, I pray lives would be changed, hearts would be saved, and God, that we would leave here in the victory. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Come on, give your neighbor a high five, and you can sit down, all right? All right, all right. So, you know, the, this is interesting. Little, I, I want to speak to you on this, on this subject right here. Whose hands are you in? Whose hands are you in? That's a, that's a good, good question. Jeremiah, the prophet here, he preached and he prophesied for many years to Israel. And, and, and you know what Israel did? They, they kept turning their back on God. How many know that we, it's easy for us to look at Israel and say, man, they, that God would bless them and God would help them. And then they would turn their back. Their hearts would grow cold and they would begin to do what they would want to do. But listen to me. It's easy to point a finger at Israel. But how many know that the tendency in our lives is God blesses us and God gives us something and then our heart grows cold, come on, right? And we begin to do what we want to do and not what the Lord wants us to do. But but Jeremiah, God sent him to prophesy and to and to preach and he preached and he preached and he preached. And he preached. Pastor, it sounds like you. And he preached and he preached and he never stopped. And and the whole time that he preached to this nation, his, his message was simple. Repent because God's got something for you. And God begins to show him something here in this moment at the potter's house, and it's amazing. So Jeremiah, as he went into the potter's house, he would see three things. And I, you can just point these out. These are these are not my points, but th they're they're definitely in there. So number one, he saw the potter. Everyone say the potter. You know what a potter is? Is an intelligent. It is a capable artist. It is a craftsman who knew exactly what to do. I am not a potter. If I was up here and I was trying to make a pot, listen, it or a, a vase or a vase if you're rich, uh, if I was trying to make a vase, you know what, it would be ugly because I am not a master craftsman with my hands when it comes to pottery, all right? And, and then the second thing that he saw was the will. Everyone say the will. And the will was this thing that was there and it was an instrument that would turn in which the potter would would do his work. And how many know that in our lives there is a will, all right? There's a spinning that happens in our lives. And then the last thing that he sees is the clay. Everyone say the clay. Substance that is pliable. Listen, listen what clay is. It's pliable, it's fixable, and it's usable. Let me say that again. Clay is, is pliable, come on, it is fixable, and it is usable. So clay is a common substance, virtually worthless, really, if you think about it. And yet, in the hands of a master potter, it can be fashioned into something that is priceless, right? Not just priceless, but also something that's useful. I, I saw this. I thought this was interesting, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this name. But interestingly, in 2010, the, the, listen, the 1740 Quinn Long Dynasty Voss, okay, I'm going to call it a vase, vase from the Ming Dynasty in China, 
was, and this explorer in the 20s had found it, and he had took it back home to England. He had this Voss, okay? I'll call it a Voss because I want to sound rich, all right? And I'm not rich, but, but he had this vase, and he took it back home, and it was a hand-me-down in his family. And it's interesting. They found this vase, and this guy had it in his house, and it was sitting on his bookshelf. And listen to this. It was, it was sold in auction after he found out it for a staggering, you ready for this? You better sit down, 51 million pounds. That's an expensive vase sitting on the bookshelf that you didn't, this guy didn't even really know what he had. That is amazing. And what I'm saying is clay in the right hands can show us usefulness and show us how priceless that we truly are. My question is, whose hands are you in? I don't know if you, if you haven't figured it out yet. Clay in the scripture represents us. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, that, you, you are a bunch of clay. Look at your neighbor on the other side who you don't like as much and say, you are a lump of clay. And this analogy wasn't just given to Jeremiah. Matter of fact, we see Isaiah talk about this, and we see Paul talk about this. And here's the deal. We are clay. But let me ask you this. If we are clay, are you pliable? Are you moldable? Are you useful? Come on, somebody, right? Oh, pastor, you're, you're just coming in right hot. I, I'm, I know. I promise. I'm just speaking from the heart. And, and, and we come from earth. We, we go back to earth, right? We come from earth. We go, the Bible says, we, you know, we, we from dust to dust, right? It's what, what it says. And so we come back to earth. We are common, right? And in and of ourselves, we really can't do anything of significance. And, and I talked about this. The will represents our daily life. How many know, how many feel like you're on the merry-go-round of life? You go around in the same circle over and over and over and over. There was a song a few years ago. Oh, man, come on. Um, some of you are going to know where I'm talking about. It says, will it go round in circles? Most of you just right over your head. And, and how many know that sometimes in the, 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 the way that life is, you feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over. And it's like, man, you get up, you go to work, you eat lunch, you, you, you know, you go back to work, you go home, you eat supper, you feed the dog, you go to bed, you get up, you go to work. Come on, right? Same routine over and over. And it feels like, God, uh, why am I, am I in such a spin in my life? Why, are, why do things sometimes feel out of control? Have you ever felt like your life was out of control? And I want to talk about that, that process. The, the potter, I love this, the picture of God, our creator, a, a capable workman and an intelligent craftsman. Do you believe that God is capable and intelligent and that God designed you with intent and with purpose? Do you believe that? All right. Do you, I, need to, I need to know that you got that down in your heart because you, if you don't understand that, you're, you're missing the point. And I want, to, I want to help you today. So as the prophet Jeremiah, he saw the potter, and he saw the wheel, and he saw the clay on, on the wheel. He, we gain insight into what God was doing in Jeremiah's day, but also what God is doing in our day today. How many know that God is still working the clay? How many would raise your hand and say, hey, God is still working on me? 
God is still shaping me. God is still making me. And, man, sometimes I'm a little lumpy, and sometimes I'm a little grumpy, and sometimes I'm a little bit off, off rhythm. And, but God is working those things out in me. So I want, I want to just talk to you. What, what is this? Number one, the purpose, the purpose of the potter is, is this. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 3, the beginning of that verse says, So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was what? He was working. He was working, and notice the potter that Jeremiah saw was not playing or amusing himself like probably a five-year-old kid would do on one of those wheels, you know, and be like, ooh, you know. And, 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 but he was, he was working with intention and purpose, fastening the clay. I, I got an intention. I'm doing this. And, and Jeremiah, being an onlooker, may not have known what the potter was making, but he understood this guy is making something. I don't know what it is yet, but he is making something, and he has a purpose, and he has a plan. God is doing something there. He's reminding Jeremiah. He's reminding you and me. And Jeremiah was the weeping prophet that God had a purpose for Israel, and that, and I will tell you today that God has a purpose for you. Amen? All right. And so uh, I, as, as the clay went around and around, the potter would skillfully be shaping the clay for a purpose. Everyone say for a purpose. Look at this. Ephesians 2.10 says this. And I promise you I'm not going to be long today. I'm just going to be real with you today. All right. Everyone say praise the Lord, Pastor. Finally a short sermon. All right. All right. Ephesians 2.10, it says this. For we are God's masterpiece. For we are God's what? It doesn't say junk, does it? It doesn't say trash. Say just getting by. You are God's what? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Come on. So we can do good things he planned for us a long time ago. So there's, there's your usefulness, right? The Greek word masterpiece, and, you, and those of you who have been here on Wednesday night Bible study have heard this, but the, the Greek word for masterpiece is poema, and that's where we get our word poem, actually. You know, it's a poem, really, is what it is. And, 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 and what he's really saying here is we are God's poetry. The words that God speaks over you are, are poetry. That's beautiful. I don't know about you. I love it when somebody brags on me. I love it when somebody speaks something beautifully over me. Come on. You do too. Don't look at me like you don't. You know you do. And, and, but God is, he's, he's talking about you, and it's, it's beautiful poetry. It's, it's great. We're not just a, a, a piece of pottery, but, but we're also a piece of uh, a poetry. And, and, and say, what are you saying, Pastor? God is not just making you into something useful, but he's making you into something beautiful. I want to be useful for the kingdom. How many want to be useful for the kingdom? You know, God's making you beautiful and, and, and awesome. Didn't say, Pastor, I'm a man. I don't want to be beautiful. God will make you beautiful. He'll make you look good, all right? He'll make you handsome if that makes you feel better. I, I was thinking about this last night. This is kind of comical. I was talking to my wife, and I, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a rake in my garage. Anybody got a rake in your garage? I, I, uh, I almost brought my rake. And let me tell you something about my rake. I almost brought my rake to brag on my rake. Let me tell you why I almost brought my rake so I could brag on my rake. Boy, I'll say that five more times, right? Because my rake is useful. You know, my rake is useful when I need to rake some leaves or I need to chase off the neighbor's cat. No, I'm joking. Uh, I, hope, I hope they're not watching online. No, it, it, my, my rake is useful because and it, it is useful 
And it is great to grab my rake when I need to rake some leaves. Some of you say, oh, it's about rake, rake, uh, rake, leave, raking season. Boy, I must have said that rake leaving season. No, no, the other way around. Rake, leave, no, leaving, raking the leaf season. Whew. I'll get it out in a minute. You know what? If I brought my rake in here, you would not be impressed with my rake. Would you? How many have a rake? I'm not impressed with your rake either. It's useful, right, though, when you need it? Boy, it is a useful thing. But, but I was racking my brain, and I, I told Tristan, I said, I, this, boy, this tells you what class of person we are. Listen, this cracked me up. I said, Tristan, what is something in our house that's valuable that we're afraid to use? And, she, and we thought, and we thought, and she goes, I can't think of anything that we have that, w- that we're afraid to use in our house. And I was like, boy, we are some classy people. I was racking my brain. I was like, what, what do I have that doesn't have a use and uh, that we keep up? But the only thing I could really think of is Tristan has some dishes that were her grandmother's that are, that are crystal dishes that we that I think maybe we've used twice since we've been married 20 years. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And we pull those bad boys out, uh, you know, at Christmas or, or special occasions or whatever the case. And, 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 but those, those things are precious, but, and, but they're useful, come on, but they're beautiful, same sense, you know, God created you for a purpose, and you're not just useful to the kingdom of God, but you're also beautiful to the kingdom of God. You need to get that in your heart. God has created you with multiple purpose. Amen? Everyone look at your neighbor and say, my rake's prettier than your rake. Listen, I want to give you some good truth today. What, what does a workman gain by making a vessel of beauty and not, and not practicality? Have you ever have you ever handled something you know that you know you shouldn't be handling because it's too expensive to handle and you're afraid to to mess with it you know uh, you know maybe like a I don't know I'm, I'm just trying to think of it something um, my dad has a a 22 gun and it's a it's a beautiful uh, uh, oh man I'm trying to think what what kind of gun it is but it's gold plated and it's beautiful and my dad I'm like man dad that's a great gun and he's like you want to shoot it and I'm like no way Jose. It's my inheritance. I'm just joking. I'm like, no, man, let's keep that thing. Uh, let's keep that thing looking sharp. Let's, it's too valuable to use, right? But let me tell you something. God makes you beautiful, but God makes you practical for use. Amen. And so, what does what does God gain from shaping us into something that is poetic? Look at this. If you go back in Ephesians chapter two, verse six through seven. If you go, Ephesians chapter ten, I read, "You are God's masterpiece." Is what I read in Ephesians chapter uh, two ten. But Ephesians two six. If you go back, it says this: "For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us where, with Him in where heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus." Everyone say, "Amen." Here's why. Look at this, verse 7. So God can point to us in all the future age, ages as examples uh, of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. You know what that tells me? Look at this. This is good stuff right here. That God forms us and he shapes us. Uh, we are practical use, but that we are things of beauty. Let me tell you what we are. We are God's trophies. 
Because what God is doing, come on, what that verse tells me is God is thinking about future generations. And he's saying, man, listen, future generations, you need to look back. How many know we look back at the Bible? Look back at Abraham. Look back at Moses. Look back at King David and we, those guys. And listen, God is looking at your life. And, and for future generations, people are going to say, hey, I remember brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so in the church. And they stood the course. And they stood the time. And God blessed them. And God's grace kept them. Amen? Amen. And I love the fact that God takes worthless chunks and hunks of clay and he molds them into his hands to usefulness. And I don't know about you, but I can marvel at his grace all day long. You know, it's, it's why people look at you, some of you who've come from uh, bad backgrounds and, and some of you who should be in prison and some of you who should be strung out on drugs or, 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 you know, who were alcoholics. That's why people look at you and go, man, I cannot believe who you are and who, where God has brought you from. It's your testimony, amen? Through grace, he makes us trophies, but my testimony is a testament to the goodness of God. Oh, my life, he has been faithful, amen? Oh, my life, he's... He has been what? Good. Come on. Got to sing it, Greg. You can't just say it. So, so good. I got to pick on Greg down here all every Sunday. Amen. Trophies. You know what trophies look like? Moses. Was Moses a mess at times? But God calls him a trophy, and he gives us examples. He says, look back at Moses. God says this. Look back at Samson. Boy, he was a real mess, right? And God says, look back at King David, look back at Jonah, look back at, at Peter, look back at the woman at the well. God's grace gets the glory. How many are here today because of God's grace? Amen? Amen. I love that. The potter has a purpose for you. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, the potter has a purpose for you. Here's the second thing I want to talk about at the potter's house is this, the process. Everyone say, the process. Jeremiah 18, uh, 3, the second part of that verse says, and there he was working at his will. He was there working at his will. As the potter would pump the wheel, come on, they'd have this little device. They'd pump it with their, their foot, and, and, and the clay would go around and around and around and around. Amen. I don't know about you. I don't like process. I don't like process. I'm going to tell you why I don't like process. You know what? I want to get in shape in my life. You know what that means? That there's a process to get in shape. That means that I'm going to have to get up off the couch. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have to go outside. I'm going to have to get active. I'm going to have to do something with my body. Come on. I'm, I know I'm speaking to some people right now. I'm going to have to stop eating the things that I want to eat and eat the things that I need to eat. Come on, all my older people. Come on. My body's craving those vitamins, right? And it's process and it's discipline. And I don't know about you, but I don't like that. It's easier for me to eat a big, fat, uh, uh, you know, cheese pizza than it is to eat celery. Come on. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? Celery, come on. You ever feel like in your life you're just going around in the same circle? Here's a, here's a better question. You ever feel like in your life you're going around in the same spiritual circle? Just over and over and over and over. You know, God, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why is this happening to me? Why, why, why is this happening? Why is that not happening? God, why, why, where am I heading? Lord, I thought you loved me. You ever said those kind of things? And out of nowhere, listen, out of nowhere, in the process of spinning around, you begin to feel the presence of the hand of God on your life. 
man, it's crazy. I'm spinning, I'm spinning, I'm spinning. And, 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 and for a while, that, that is a comforting thing, right? That's a beautiful thing. And his hand is there. You know, how many know that Jesus said that he would never leave us nor forsake us? Even, even in the middle of the spinning process in our life, his hands are right there working us. And, 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 and there his hands are, a gentle reminder to us that his presence is there. And then he begins to apply his hands to us. Listen, and here's the thing. Man, that feels good for a minute. But then God begins to apply the pressure to us, Right? And he begins to shape us. Lord, I like being a lump of clay. I like where I'm at. Lord, don't, don't you dare put your hand right there. Don't you dare begin to start shaping me. Don't you dare begin to start changing me. Come on, have you ever been there? God's working those things. Maybe the pressures of life. God may use those things. Maybe your, your career is, is, is extremely demanding. And you're like, man, I can't take this. And God's just saying, I am shaping you. I am making you. Maybe there's a problem in your life. Everything in your house is breaking. All, all of your appliances are all breaking the same week. Anybody ever been there? And you're like, God, what are you doing? God said, I am shaping you. I am making you. And, and maybe there's trials in your life. Maybe your marriage is hanging by a thread. And you're like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to how to deal with this and God's saying I am making you I am I am shaping you maybe there's struggles in your life maybe you don't have enough money amen that's everybody in the house right and you don't have enough money and God is saying I want you to trust in me and not your pocketbook he's shaping us and this is what happens when the pressure ramps up uh, if we aren't careful you know what happens to us unlike these lumps of clay you know what we can do I'm getting off this wheel Splat. Right? Lord, I, I, I can't handle this shaping. I can't handle this thing that you're doing in me. Lord, it, it, it's too much. Come on, have you ever been there? And unlike normal clay, I, I have the ability, you and I have the ability to get off the wheel and say, Lord, I'm tired of this. I'm going around and I'm tired of this pressure and I'm out. And you know what happens? Splat. We hit the floor, and, and guess what? And, and there we are on the floor, and we jump off, and it's, it's just us on the ground. And we, then we get tired of being stepped over or, or walked over. Come on, somebody. And, and, and here's a good example. It was, it, was, it was what Israel did. In the wilderness, man, they kept getting uh, on the wheel, and God was working on them, right? And he's, he's got them out there in the wilderness, and, and, and God's like, I'm going to give you a land. And they're like, oh, man, okay. And God's feeding them, and God's doing all these great miracles in their life. And they begin to complain, and they begin to murmur about this and that. Come on, sound like us. And God's got them on the wheel, and he is shaping them, and he is making them. And then, boom, they would fall off the wheel. Then he'd pick them back up, and then he would start shaping them again and then and there was a point where God is like okay psh, listen this generation is going to die off because you're not going to see the promised land but it's amazing because God still took that nation and he began to and he and he did fulfill that promise here's another good example how about Jonah there's a guy who who was, who was on the will, and God was like, hey, I need you to do this. And God was shaping him, and God was helping him, and God was making him. And he said, no, nah, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and get off this will. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go there. So he goes the complete opposite direction. And you know what I love about God? Come on, when we make our mistakes and when we make our, our, our issues, God gently picks us up. Come on. And sometimes he gets us thrown over a boat and, and he sends a well our way. And that well, and God begins to shape us and says, I'm going to get you over there one way or the other. And he works on us. How many know that God is patient with us? Amen. 
And this is the way that the Lord works. He, 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 when we come back in meekness and humility and sometimes in weakness in our lives, we say, God, here I am again. Pick me up. Put me back on your wheel. Begin to mold me again. Begin to shape me again because, Lord, I, I blew it. I messed up. I messed up. And you know what I love about our, our God is he does this. He picks us up, and he begins to refashion us all over again. You know, we come back, and we're just a ball of clay, and he plops us back down. Plop. He begins to shape us in the spinning and in the process. See, the secret is submitting to Jesus. Amen. We say, Lord, have your way. I don't know about you. I, I, I have so many times in my life thought, oh, I, I've got this, God. I, I can do this. But Proverbs tells us that it says to trust in the Lord God with all your heart and lean not to whose understanding, your own understanding. And I don't know how many times I, I, I have walked right against that verse and thought, I'm going to do this my way, Lord, right? I did it my way. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. But God's grace, it's by God's grace he picks us back up, right? Amen. You know, and, and here's the thing. He begins to shape us and he begins to make us. And then there's this process after he, he makes us into what he is. You know what the potter does? He picks that piece of whatever he created, a vase, a vase, all right? If we, let's call it a vase. And he takes that thing and then he takes it over and he drops it in the kiln. Now I'm going to tell you this. After God shapes you and after God has made you into what he is, listen, you better be prepared because you're going to be put in the fire. You'll never be a vessel of honor unless you go in the fire. Say, oh, I don't like that part of the process. I told you I don't like process either. I don't like exercise, but I need it. And, and, and in the middle of the fire, you know, this is, you know, we think about this. The three Hebrew boys, they were, they were literally thrown into a fire. Think about that for a moment. For standing up for their faith. God had shaped them. God had made them. And, and, and then God allowed them. You know, you, most of us say, well, why did God? God allowed them to what? To be thrown into the furnace. He allowed them to. Do you know that? That God is sovereign. He allowed them to go there. And in the process of allowing them, their trust was in him. And you know what the Bible says? This that Nebuchadnezzar looked down and he said, hey, why are there four men down there? We only threw in three. Why is there a fourth one? And he looks like the son of God. And God began to change his perspective. How many know that sometimes we got to go through the fire? Can I, can I just share something with you? When you go through the fire, listen to me, listen to me. When you're going through the fire in your life, the time where God is, is working some things out of you and he is perfecting you and he is making you a vessel of honor, listen, he is with you. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. Amen. So shaping is part of the process. Fiery trials and situations are part of the process. And everyone look at your neighbor and say, God's still making me. All right, here's the last one. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Here's the principle behind it all. Jeremiah 18.4 says this. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he what? He did what? Oh, you know God can rework in your life. And he reworked it into what? Another? As it seemed good to the potter to do. The potter makes a vessel according to his plan. Listen, listen, listen to me. 
I'm going to say this a few times. The potter makes a vessel according to his plan, not according to the clay's demand. Let me say that one more time because that bounced off every wall in here. The potter makes the vessel according to his plan, not according to the clay's demand. Let me say that one more time for everybody in the balcony. The potter, and I'm not picking on you guys. The potter makes the vessel according to his plan, not according to the clay's demand. It takes a submitted person to say, God, shape me, make me. Uh, uh, we, say, uh, we say, God, do this in my life. And God says, no, I've got other plans. God, I want to marry this person. God says, no, you don't. God, I want to do this. No, I've got other plans. I need you to be submitted to me. I need you to, to do what I need you to do. Oh, this principle is this. It's this. The principle of this is this. God is sovereign. Everyone say, God is sovereign. What does that mean, Pastor? He's God and you ain't. That's what I'm saying. I know, I'll just I'll bring it down to Ozark for you. He's God and you ain't. The principle is this. God is sovereign. Romans 9, verse 20 and 21 says, But, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder? Will the clay say to the potter? Look, look at this. Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out the same lump, one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? And so Paul asked this question. He's saying this. Listen, and this is what we do in our lives. We, as clay, we look at the Lord and say, Lord, what are you doing with me? And God's like, I'm sovereign. Amen. I know you don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. But he's sovereign and he's got a plan for you. In the book of Job, we, we look at Job and, and he's struggling and he's questioning God. And God begins to ask him some great questions. I love this. The whole uh, chapter of Job uh, 38, uh, man, it, it is a beautiful chapter. And, and it's just God responding to Job. And I like what he says here. He says, he says this to him. He, and he looks at him. And, and before God starts to speak to Job, he says, listen, Job, you need to put on your big boy pants because I'm about to talk to you like a man he's straightforward with him because Job's challenging him and God said okay big boy get ready gird up your loins because it's about to happen and he says this in Job 38 now I'm just going to read a portion of this verse 4 he says where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth Job tell me if you have any understanding who determined its measurements? Surely you know, Job. Or who stretched the, uh, the line upon it? Verse 6. On what were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And he's asking him, hey. Job, if you're all-knowing, if you've got it, Mr. Clay, if you've got it all together, listen, can you answer this? And he goes through a whole chapter there and just tells him all these things that only God, a creator who has a purpose for you, could say. So why do you tell us that? Because I want to encourage you today. God is telling Job, I, I'm sovereign, and all I need you to do, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. That's a simple principle that Jeremiah, he was learning. And, and listen, Jeremiah preached and he preached and he preached and he preached and nobody got saved. And he preached and he preached and he preached and nobody got saved. His whole life he preached and nobody got saved. How discouraging would that be? 
Nobody turned from God, but he kept faithful to what God was telling him to do. And listen, look at this. I can tell you this. Man will make their plans, and they will fail. Man will make their plans, and they will fall, right? But God. Jeremiah 29, 11. I, I, lo I, love this. I love this verse because it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You know who this is written to? The people of Israel. By Jeremiah, he's telling them, God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He is, he is working you on the will right now. You just need to trust him. Now, listen, this is not a bit. What happened after this was not beautiful for them. They went round and around and around and around and around and around, and God was shaping them and making them. Israel, I have plans for you, and I, I have great things for you, but I know the fire can be hot. Listen, in your life, can I tell you something? God has plans for you. God has purpose for you. But you got to be pliable. you got to be moldable. Come on, to what he wants for you. you got to be able to say, God, okay, you've created me. Now, if you need to put me in the fire to make me useful, to make me beautiful, do what you need to do in my life. Amen? And I, the Lord God, am sir, is, is sovereign. He's making you, he's shaping you into a testimony for him. Look at this. It's the last thing I want to share with you right here. I want to talk about the potter. The potter. The potter is this. The potter is Jesus. The potter is Jesus for us. The potter is Jesus. When the potter is molding us, listen. All we have to do when he's molding us is look at his hands. And you'll see nail-pierced hands. And when the potter is pumping that wheel, all we've got to do is look down at his feet and we'll see nail-pierced feet. Because, listen, the potter paid the price for you. He bought you with a price. He died on Calvary for you. He rose from the grave and he has a purpose and he has a plan for you. Amen? Amen. It's called redemption. And can I tell you something? Such grace is given to us today. God formed us. The devil deformed us. But Jesus transformed us. <laughs> Amen? Let me ask you this question. Are you in the hands of the master? Are you, are you in the hands of the, of the master, Jesus Christ? Romans 5, 6 through 11. I'm going to read this real fast. And, and listen, I, I'm, I'm coming to an altar call. call so I want, you to, I want you to just prepare your hearts right now. Verse 6 says this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. Man, when we were at our worst, God, that was when he was at his best. Verse 7, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. So, you know, verse 8, but God shows, I want to say, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Come on. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his 
life. I love this verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received what? Reconciliation. I want you to look at that. When did Christ die for us? When we were going to church? No. When we were sinners. When we were at our worst. Amen. Amen. How many are grateful that God that God did that, that God sent his son to reconcile us, to save us today. Amen. Listen, I want to talk to two groups today, I, I, two, two groups of people. If you're here and you've never been saved, and this is your moment, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to open up these altars right here. Can I tell you this? Christ purchased you. The potter purchased you. He saw a lump of clay, and he sees value in you. He sees worth in you. The Bible says this in, in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess our mouths with our sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will be saved. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ, that's the first person I want to talk to. If you don't know Jesus, come on, these altars are open right now. Come on, will you stand with me? Come on, all across this building.